You are listening to The Bouquet Toss, the podcast dedicated to uncovering where wedding trends and traditions come from to empower couples everywhere to plan a wedding day that feels authentic to them. This show is hosted by the budget-savvy bride herself, Jessica Bishop, along with me, Sari Wienerman, her Real Weddings editor. We've got a ton of fun stuff to unpack with you today, so before you get cold feet, Let's dive right in. At the Budget Savvy Bride, we love helping our couples save money on their big day. Before you go buying anything for your wedding, be sure to visit our wedding deals section, where you'll find exclusive deals and discounts from some of the biggest names in bridal, as well as some savvy sales you won't want to miss out on. Visit thebudgetsavvybride.com deals to see what you can save on this week. Again, that's thebudgetsavvybride.com deals. Welcome back to the Bouquet Toss podcast. We're back with a special bonus episode because we are all about giving you value here on our show. So you might be thinking, why are we recording a recap episode after we wrapped our first season? Well, there's a few reasons. It never fails that when you're recording, you're really hyped, you're having this conversation, and then after you play it back, somebody illuminates something that you could have added or you find an article or something that references what you spoke about and you're like, I wish I would have talked about that. And we have just been finding so much extra info that we just couldn't bear not sharing with our listeners. So we're going to highlight some of the things we spoke about in all of the episodes on season one, give you a little extra fun facts and additions, and even some listener shout outs. Yeah, it's been really fun to get some of the feedback from the audience and hear things y'all wanted to say and share with us and also share with fellow listeners. So super excited to share all of these fun details and additions. We really think of this as a conversation. And so after the conversation happens between us, we end up having other parties getting involved and we want them to be part of the conversation too. Plus, for anyone that's just discovering us now while we're on this short hiatus between season one and two, never fear, this episode's going to catch you up. We're going to share our favorite tidbits, historical facts, details. Plus, we'll also be sharing some behind the scenes details from creating the show, some recent revelations, and of course... More pop culture references from Jess. I aim to please. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to go right back to episode one, right? Episode one, we started with the bouquet toss itself. The bouquet toss is that part in the wedding where the bride literally tosses the bouquet into a crowd of people. And you sent me this awesome article that you found about a real couple that kind of did like an alternative to this at their wedding. So please tell us more. Yeah, I loved this, especially because it is COVID friendly, which I know a lot of couples are looking for ways to embrace the normal wedding traditions and circumstances, but make them adapted to whatever circumstances you might find yourselves in at this point, right? So I loved this story. It was a couple named Hannah and Eric located in Columbus, Ohio. They were interviewed for the Columbus Weddings Magazine, and it shared that Like many couples, obviously, in 2020, they were forced to pivot their plans and had to downsize their wedding celebration in half. And they ended up finding a really creative solution to the bouquet toss tradition. So instead of actually throwing her bouquet into, you know, her tightly packed group of friends on a dance floor, the bride, Hannah, assigned all of the single guests a number. And then she rolled a giant 20-sided dice. 
Do you know what this means? I don't. So a normal dice, what, has six sides? Yeah. That you would like roll in like, you know, Vegas or whatever. So they have one that was 20-sided, which is apparently something used to play the game Dungeons and Dragons, which is a favorite of the couples. So they rolled the 20-sided die to determine the winner of the bouquet. That's really cute. I really like it because it speaks to their interests as a couple. It incorporates one of those like personal details and adds extra meaning and still obviously allowed them to take part in this traditional moment that was apparently important enough to them to make happen. Right. The creativity, just the sheer creativity I love. And this is a really awesome way to take something, as you said, like Dungeons and Dragons is kind of a niche type of thing that people love. Yeah. And to be able to incorporate that into your wedding in a way that's, it's not like it's going to stand out from everything else that you're doing. It's not going to be like out of nowhere. It really just works, I think. So hands up for anybody doing something that's COVID friendly. We think that's cool. Yes. You're basically making the bouquet toss into like a game. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, I love the idea of incorporating games into the wedding. You know, we see so many that we featured on the blog that incorporate lawn games and stuff like that during the reception. But you can find some sort of way to gamify different wedding traditions too. Like, why not? Gamify wedding traditions. I love it. I'm trying to make a game out of anything these days because after so many months of just staying at home all the time, if I can make anything a little bit more fun, I'm down for it. (laughs) I think that's really great advice. So that was episode one. And now episode two was another one where we got some awesome feedback from listeners. It was about wedding dresses, specifically why we wear white to our weddings. And definitely listen to this episode because we dive deep into all of the historical markers that led up to white being the thing. I know a lot of people recognize that it stands for purity and it's because she's a virgin. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But there's actually some more stuff that happened historically that led to the immense popularity of a white wedding dress. So definitely go listen to that. But we had mentioned that we really wanted our listeners to share examples of any other color wedding dress that they can remember from pop culture, from a movie, from anything, because we were mentioning how it's really been ingrained in our culture and our society that white is the color of choice but we are so for any other color because why not? So we actually had two different listeners, Annie and Carly, that both pointed out that Rachel McAdams wears a red dress at her wedding in the movie About Time. Great movie. It's such a good movie, first of all. Both times, this was separate occasions that they mentioned it to me and I was like, kicking myself because I (laughs) love that movie. I'm like, why did I not remember that? Same, yeah. A stunning example of a different color wedding dress. Wear red. Make a splash. Make a splash. And then recently I was a guest on another wedding podcast called Weddings Unveiled, where I just totally geeked out about pop culture moments with the host. Her name is Leah Longbreak. She's amazing. You should check out her podcast as well. And she actually emailed me to share some more iconic non-white wedding dresses that she thought that everyone should know about. So a few different examples of these was Amber Tamblin, who was in the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. I think she was in The Ring. Is that, am I thinking of this right? 
I'm totally the wrong person to ask. <laughs> Should I ask Google? Let me look it up on IMDb real quick. Just, <laughs> just to confirm. I'm usually good at this. I'm like a virtual IMDb in my brain. It's like a weird hidden talent of mine. Ooh. Yes, I was right. She was in the ring. Not to be confused with having anything to do with weddings, because <laughs> it is certainly not at all about love or anything like that. Honestly, gave me nightmares for years. I don't think I've seen a horror movie since. Anyway, so Amber Tamblin, this actress, she wore a yellow dress and she actually walked barefoot from a kayak that she took to the wedding site with her dad. There's this beautiful shot. We'll share it in the show notes of her in a yellow dress. Very yeah. like relaxed and laid back kind of wedding, which I'm, I'm into that. I'm so into that barefoot walking down the aisle. That is a choice that we can get behind. Yeah. The other two examples that Leah shared with me were Julianne Moore, who wore a lavender number. She looks very easy breezy. And then also fashionista mode, Dida Von Tess, who wore a Vivian Westwood gown, which is also purple, but it's more of like a bright, bold, high fashion look. So two different brides who wore purple, who are famous. Speaking of purple, we also had a listener DM us on Instagram after this episode came out, and she told us she is going for a purple power pantsuit. Oh, yes. Right? I mean, that's amazing. Love it. Whatever your favorite color is. I mean, why not? Go for it. Absolutely. So speaking of the ring, but not actually, <laughs> speaking of the engagement ring, that was episode four. And we covered so many awesome things just about engagement rings in general. I think the coolest part is about why diamonds became the stone of choice. An incredible marketing campaign is to blame for that, which is just kind of really cool to see. So dive into that episode, learn all about it. But recently we shared a wedding on the blog and I just wanted to shout out their choice for rings because they actually chose silicone rings. And hers was white, his was black. They had detailed in the questionnaire that we sent them to fill out that they had chosen the silicone rings because it just fits better with their active lifestyle. They really wanted to have the symbolism that comes along with having a ring on your left ring finger, which again, reasons behind that are all unpacked in episode four, but they didn't want to have something that, you know, would get in the way with all of their adventure type activities that they were doing. They work out a lot, they hike, they do all of these outdoor things. And functionally, it really didn't make sense for them to have rings that were any other material. They needed something like soft that wasn't going to scratch or anything like that. We just love the bold choice that they made to do this and want to encourage other people to really think about that when deciding on what an engagement ring really means to them. I think this is really cool because obviously choosing a silicone ring, they're really, really inexpensive, which is great. And if spending a ton of money on an engagement ring isn't important to you, like our friend Stephanie O'Connell, who we also mentioned her story in episode four, which is really interesting. If it's not important to you to spend that kind of money and you want something more comfortable, finding an alternative like that is great. And I also see a lot, especially of folks who are into CrossFit, they're into those silicone rings for sure, because as someone who has been attempting to learn how to do a pull-up myself, <laughs> you do not want to do that with a ring on. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. I always look 
So funny story for all of our listeners, Jess and I just so happened to both have forayed into CrossFit this year. Thanks to Um, our significant others. (laughs) Right. Thanks to our significant others. And I definitely always look at my coach's hand to notice if they're wearing a ring or not, because sometimes they do. And I always think, oh my God, is that going to like get scratched or like, is it even just distracting or cause yourself harm honestly or right myself a little bit (laughs) before I know and the the other reason I always think about it is because before the world shut down and I was going to a lot of auditions dancers a lot of the time I would always clock to see if they were keeping their ring on or not and that's a whole other thing because I think some people were like well if I wear a ring it ages me so they'll probably think I'm older and then maybe not cast me as a high school student but Also, just the fact that if that's your lifestyle and every day you're going somewhere where you're going to have to take it off, is it an expense you really want to budget into your larger wedding budget? Because I don't know, it may not be the thing for you. That's a great point. Cost per wear is something that I think about a lot when I think about spending on clothing items and investment pieces, quote unquote, in my wardrobe. I think it's something that a lot of people probably have thoughts about, but don't quite feel so empowered to act on. It's so societally recognized that you get a ring when you get engaged, but we're here to really disrupt that and say that if that's what you value, yes, go ahead, get that ring of your dreams, and we'll even help you find some budget-savvy ways to do it. But another savvy way to work with this is if it's not the thing at the top of your list, toss it. Absolutely. So this is a fun one. So on episode five, we talked all about the traditional wedding dances, and we also forayed into a lot of popular song choices for any of the dances, the father-daughter dance, the mother-son dance, the first dance for the couple. And Jess had mentioned, I think it was you, you had mentioned a great option is a like a string quartet version of a pop song, which my sister actually walked down the aisle to one. And we kind of discussed it a little bit in the episode. And then shortly after, Jess binge-watched Bridgerton. Yes. Like everyone else on the planet, right? <laughs> Well, absolutely. And she texted me and was like, oh my God, they're using all of these amazing string quartet version of pop songs. I wish we could have talked about it on the episode. I mean, so many iconic examples of exactly what I was talking about. (laughs) I know. Which ones would they have? I mean, the one that is permanently etched into my brain is the steamy love scene that featured my favorite, Taylor Swift. Her song, Wildest Dreams, was the background music for that scene. Yes. And it was like an orchestral kind of, right? The Duke of the It was so good. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, there was also Maroon 5, Girl Like You. Mm -hmm. And oh my God, Ariana Grande, Thank You, Next. Yes. Honestly, I had such a hard time paying attention to the dialogue between the characters because I was so caught up in listening to that string quartet version of those popular songs. And I was trying to like place it and figure out what it was while it was playing. I had to rewatch a lot. (laughs) Oh, is that why you had to rewatch? Yeah. (laughs) That's that's the reason I'm going with. Okay. (laughs) I know the second those songs started, it really hit me of how brilliant it was to do that because they're telling all of this period stuff in a modern lens because it is today. Like you just can't escape that. You're telling it today. So there's inherently a modern spin on it. And that's so genius 
Shonda Rhimes, I just can't even. Just brilliant. Her brilliance is unmatched. I bet you there's already a Spotify playlist of the songs from the show, right? Oh, yes, I'm subscribed. Yes. Oh, of course you are. Like, why did I even question that? <laughs> but great way to find some songs for your wedding dances or just your wedding playlist in general. Use those songs. They're so good. Yeah, great background music for the dinner portion of your evening, whatever. If you are like probably Jess and now want a Bridgerton wedding, (laughs) (laughs) this is the way to pull it off. My partner is British, okay? That's true. You're pretty much like halfway there. (laughs) Love it. Go check out those songs. We can even link some of that in the show notes. So then episode six, we just love because it was about cake. We found out really like what the evolution of cake at a wedding was to get to the point where we're at now. So highly suggest checking that out. Also highly suggest that if you are listening to it, you make yourself cake in a mug or like <laughs> something because you're you're going to just want something sweet. I just, I'm sorry, you are. We talk about amazing alternatives like a waffle cake or like a cinnamon bun cake. They're, yeah, have something sweet with you while you listen. But We recently shared, you know, after that episode had been recorded, this incredible edible sequin wedding cake on Instagram. Truly pause what you're doing and go to Budget Tavi Broad on Instagram and look at this post because the cake, I don't know if words can do it justice, but it's incredible. It's like rose gold sequins all over this cake, but they're edible. You would look at it and be like, how could you possibly eat that? Those are sequins, but they're edible sequins. Who came up with this brilliant thing? I love it. It's breathtaking, honestly. Had to give that a mention. Yes. The dessert ideas in general tend to be a big hit with our Instagram followers. We understand why. Yeah. It'll definitely (laughs) activate your sweet tooth, though. So another fun discovery we found, we actually were recording an upcoming episode for season two. And one thing we discovered is that a popular thing right now is to incorporate pressed flowers into a unity candle. And so we had discussed in this episode, episode nine, all about the unity candle, what it is, why it's actually kind of expensive and all the ways that you can make it much more budget savvy or alternatives for incorporating the same symbolism into your day without doing this specific tradition. But a lot of candle makers have been incorporating pressed flowers into a candle, which is just the coolest thing ever. And just beautiful ways to incorporate organic florals in different ways into your wedding is something people are always looking for. So I thought that was a cool one. Yeah, I love that. And then of course, episode 10 was all about speeches. We had mentioned some great resources for helping you figure out what you would even say. Jess mentions Wedding Toasts 101, which is a book by Pete Hansberger that she used when she was writing her maid of honor speech for her sister's wedding. Yeah. So I gave Pete a heads up that we mentioned his book in our podcast. And so he wanted to offer a copy of the book to one of our listeners. And so we're going to do a little giveaway. So if you screenshot this episode and share it on Instagram, tag us at Budget Savvy Bride and tag his account at Wedding Toast 101. And we're going to pick some winners. We're going to pick three winners for copies of the books. We're so excited to be able to offer this to people within our community. Jess had so much success with this book. Again, 
screenshot this episode as you're listening to it, share it on Instagram, tag at Budget Savvy Bride and at Wedding Toasts 101, and you could be entered to win. If you happen to be listening to this episode at a later date and the giveaway is already passed, just make sure to keep following Budget Savvy Bride because we do giveaways for things like pretty regularly because we like to pay it forward to our friends and followers. Yeah. I mean, Budget Savvy Bride is founded on helping you be savvy with wedding expenses. So we love helping you save money. So last but not least, on episode 12, we talked about the tradition of giving the bride away, which we really do go into unpacking all of the historical details behind this. I mean, spoiler alert, it dates back to when women were treated as property and the act of marriage was basically a woman's parents paying a man to kind of take her off their hands. We go through all of the different steps that have happened throughout history that have brought us to here today, including why people still choose to do this, plus tons of other ways to work this moment into your wedding. But we had a really sweet listener message us about it. And we wanted to just read what she said. So her name is Marion. And she told us that she decided a long time ago, she would not be given away. She said, I'm a 50 year old bride, the wedding is in June. It seems a little silly to be given away by my parents if I haven't lived with them since the 80s. (laughs) My future husband and I are walking down the aisle together to Diamonds and Pearls by Prince. Yes. It's so good. We already discussed in that episode that a great alternative is for you and your significant other to walk together. You could even meet halfway. There's tons of options, but it was such a good point that we didn't quite articulate in this way that if you haven't lived with your parents, even for just a few years, the real significance of giving you away could feel kind of off. It's still could mean for you that it's showing the support of your parents in your new relationship. You know, there's a lot behind it, but I feel like it's a great thing to mention that this act of handing you over could kind of feel like, well, that's never really going to happen. This is my family meeting his family. Like we're always going to be immersed in our families. And the other part of this is if you're eloping, or you're doing something small anyway, you may not even have those people there. When it really comes down to it, you're still getting married. There's no part about getting married that demands that somebody is giving permission for you to go join this other person. Really thinking about whether or not that is something you want to symbolize, we just think is a very important part of planning your wedding. For sure. I think everybody has to do what feels right and most authentic to them and whether or not you want to just bypass the whole traditional moment of the question and answer part of it basically like the who gives this woman you know her her mother and i do sort of thing like you can totally just skip that part you can still be walked down the aisle by whomever you would like to accompany you but just leave out that little uh traditional anti-feminist question part yeah Yeah, there's versions where your venue doesn't even have an aisle to walk down. It doesn't make your marriage any less real or any less significant. Totally, totally. Another thing about this particular tradition that I happened to spot after we recorded the episode was this amazing video on TikTok. 
that we're going to include in the show notes for me all, but I came across this in one of my many TikTok scrolling sessions and <laughs> it features two brides who got married and they decided to, instead of having one central aisle where they both walked down, they basically created two separate aisles on each side, right? Yep. And then they had their fathers respectively walk them towards each other and meet in the middle at the altar. And I just thought that was so incredible. I love that so much. I wish there's a way to find, and maybe there is, if you guys listening know how to do this, let me know. But I wish there was a way on TikTok to see how many people had responded to that prompt so you could view all the different ideas because the prompt starts out with what's something unique or creative that you did at your wedding. And so we need to know all the ideas because it's so great. That's so cool. I mean, we kind of briefly touched on that in the episode. You can set up your space any way you want, but I just love being able to see exactly how they did this. And I loved that both brides knew exactly what they wanted. Yes. And so they were able to say, okay, this is what we want. How can we achieve it? And I think that's the most important part about it because if you don't ever actually take the time to figure out what it is that you want, it gets really easy to just fall into the pressure of having to do what other people have done. Or just falling back to the default template for what a wedding quote unquote should be. Right. It's so much less meaningful for you if you haven't done that exploration for yourself. Yeah. So I thought that was such a fun and unique way. And like you said, I I love that they really got clear on the symbolism of, especially for like a same-sex couple, like how they wanted it to feel authentic to their relationship and adapting that traditional moment for their ceremony. Yeah. I think we're all about that idea of adapting to specifically fit you and your significant other. Speaking of adapting, I mean, what a word because that's probably like the word of 2020 slash 2021, right? I don't know. I've heard pivot an awful lot. (laughs) That's fair. That is fair. I mean, that could work for this too. But we wanted to share this one kind of like alternative that we saw that a real couple did because of COVID. They wanted their guests all to be wearing masks and they carefully arranged their seating chart to keep everybody socially distant. But they let their guests choose a color-coded wristband, and the color that they chose indicated the level of comfort you had with either personal contact or somebody being able to hug you or, you know, come up and, like, hug you or talk to you. Or if you Can we adopt that in life, in just everyday life? (laughs) Right? Especially with a wedding, there's so much personal contact to be had, especially with handing out food. For this couple, one of the colors represented that you wanted an individualized dessert instead of getting a piece of the cake because it could have been touched or, you know, contaminated. Yeah. I just love that these are things that people are taking into account because at the end of the day, you do need to consider your guest experience. Of course, we're all about you figuring out what works best for you. But ultimately, if you're having guests there, things have to work for them. And the challenges that COVID may present for pulling off something like this, get creative with the ways that you can deal with them. This is a cool way to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I love how just creative and adaptable and up for the challenge some couples have been or been able to be in their set of circumstances to find creative workarounds and ways to keep the wedding spirit and those traditions alive, even in the face of a global pandemic, right? A global panorama. Like, (laughs) I, I love the trend of people just calling it another word that says pan. Because we're all just so sick of hearing the word pandemic at this point. 
That's hysterical. I've never seen that. Oh, well, you need to get on TikTok. <laughs> you keep telling me that. It's how I keep up with the youths. With the youth. Yeah. All right. I guess I have to do see what the kids are doing these days. Yeah. But I really love that the way you just said that because you said it's a way for you to keep these traditions or symbolism in your wedding. And the whole framework of the Bouquet Toss podcast really revolves around keep it or toss it. We always ask that at the end of every episode because really the foundation of this podcast is to provide context to allow couples to decide what they want to keep in their wedding, what they want to budget for, what they want to prioritize, and what they're comfortable saying, you know, that's not for me. I can toss that out. That's what we want everybody to be able to use for every aspect of your wedding. There's nothing that you are forced to keep, nothing you are forced to toss. It is all about ultimately what you and your partner want. And that's the tea. (laughs) Yes, that is the tea. Well, we are so happy that we could come together for this little recap. We can certainly say we have incredible stuff lined up for season two. The guests that we've been able to speak with so far that you are going to be so lucky to hear from are just incredible. There's just so much insight. There's so much what I love to call rule breaking because there are no rules and you can do what you want to do. Absolutely. And keep shouting us out. Keep sending us those DMs. Keep telling us about things you're finding, questions, comments, anything we love to hear from everybody listening. Yeah. Well, and not to brag on ourselves for a minute, but I do also want to mention that we were so excited and honored to be listed on some top wedding podcast lists, right? Oh my God. The joy of seeing those come out. So far, Wedding Wire and brides.com yep. have included the Bouquet Toss as must-listen wedding podcasts this year. Such an honor, especially for our show that's super new and we're just getting started. And Sari and I both moved during the process of recording our first season. So life was chaotic and we're recording internationally and overcoming all of these challenges together. But it's been such a bright spot in my life personally, just Aww. being far away from family and friends and getting this chance to to chat and share stuff that we're passionate about and share messages that we're passionate about, which is just empowering our listeners to plan a wedding that feels authentic to you and to forget about all the rules, forget about all the obligations and the shoulds and the pressure from external sources and just keep a focus on what actually matters to the two of you. You know, that's not going to steer you wrong. You're going to have a great wedding day. That's the ultimate mic drop, I think. (laughs) Well, this was super fun. Thank you, Jess. Thank you, everybody out there for listening. Please check into the other episodes from season one. There's so much juicy content in there. And definitely stay tuned for what's to come in season two. Can't wait. You've been listening to The Bouquet Toss, a podcast brought to you by The Budget Savvy Bride, to empower couples to plan a wedding day that feels authentic to them. If you've had as much fun as we did, then please catch the bouquet as we toss it over to you to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. If you're a bride-to-be looking for a little extra support, then join us in our private community to connect with brides like you. Our community helps to support one another while also sharing the free resources we provide via our website and this podcast. 
Visit community.thebudgetsavvybride.com to join. As always, stay true to you. We look forward to chatting again soon.